Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor at Adweek. And with me as she is each week is Sammy Main, our social editor. Sammy, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. I mean, you know, suffering from allergies, trying to move apartments, all things considered, doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a uh, little life hack tip for some friends. Like last night, I woke up this morning feeling so much better than I have in like a week. And, uh, and I, uh, well, that's the thing is I was like, wait, what's going on? Why do I feel so good? Well, we slept with like the windows and doors shut last night. Um, And so like, I didn't have the just blanket of pollen all over me. You were huffing pollen for eight hours. Interesting tip. I like it. I've had such a headache for the last like week, every time I wake up. And so, hey, life hack for everybody. And welcome back uh, to Katie Richards, a staff writer covering the brand marketing beat. Katie, I don't play favorites, but you're one of my favorites to have on the podcast. Welcome back. Oh, that's so nice. No one ever says that to me. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive on into the news. All right. One of the I, I kind of picked uh, two. Well, the, you know, the talkers. It wasn't a big news week uh, on the advertising world, but there were some pretty interesting debates around some of these. And the one I want to bring up was I, I love a good hiring stunt. A good like uh, you know tr- whether it's like the the candidate that s- pretended to be delivering uh, like food to an office and it was actually his resume <laughs> like, yeah, in, the, in like a box of donuts and I anything like that I absolutely I love any good get your foot in the door kind of trick uh, this is in England uh, a young copywriter showed up at McCann Bristol McCann uh, obviously created Fearless Girl one of the most awarded pieces of work in the last uh, ever and uh, she showed up at McCann Bristol dressed as fearless girl, spray painted a golden color or not spray painted, but, you know, colored a, a, in paint and had a little plaque in front of her and did the pose of fearless girl in front of the agency. And they talked to her and gave her a one month uh, kind of test run. And they were really impressed with her. And so they they pushed it out to McCann's social media. We wrote about it. And man, it, it 
Sammy, you uh, run our social media feed. It feels like there there was a lot of division over this one. Yeah, which is so weird because on the one hand, let people dress up and have fun. And I guess on the other hand, like you were saying earlier with like the, the stunty sort of things that people do to get jobs, some of that is almost breaking and entering under false pretenses. <laughs> so, like, well, if you're going to be technical. Yeah, if you're going to be brass tacks here. <laughs> on paper, it's a crime. <laughs> um, <laughs> so people, I think, were divided on kind of, you know, it was a, a, a creative way. Maybe not the first person to do it first, obviously, that we've heard about. And, and hopefully it turns into like a long-term sort of thing definitely grabbed their attention and then on the other hand it was you know i think people probably were upset that they didn't think about it and that she was getting attention for it um kind of going on on that creative route um but yeah i don't know it's cute don't do it too much (laughs) you know it's just showing up to people's (laughs) offices makes me nervous uh but she pulled it off really well which i think also speaks to kind of the the quality of her ideas and what she's willing to, to kind of, you know, go the extra mile for. Katie, uh, what did you think of this kind of debate between the kind of song and dance of this? Like some people said, you literally have to you know paint yourself gold to get a job these days. Uh, you know, what do you think of that, but the balance between that and just having a really clever idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she could have gone about and sent her resume in and, you know, emailed people and tried to get a meeting. Boring. But yeah, I took I it mean, all back. That's not fun at all. <laughs> you have to be creative these days, I think, to to get attention. And I think, you know, if she's willing to go and paint her body gold and stand outside in like a statue for however long she did, I think that that shows she's dedicated and willing to kind of do whatever it takes to get the job and, you know, when she gets it, get the job done. So I thought it was really clever and I don't really understand why people are hating so much. Maybe, like Sammy said, they just didn't think of it first, but I liked it. I'm I'm a big fan. I I think I've told this story before, but I actually got my first advertising job uh, through a stunt. Did I tell you guys about this? No. No. I can't remember. I feel like it's come up at some point in the last two years on this show, but the uh, basically I wanted to work at this ad agency. I had zero background in advertising. This is probably, what year is this now? We're in 2018. So this is like 2005 or 2006. And, uh, I, I was I only had a newspaper journalism background, so I had this great cover letter resume for applying for journalism jobs. Uh, but then I had to basically I just shredded it, and I was like, I have to start over. I have to get their attention because I can't say, well, I've been working at these other agencies and I've done all this great stuff because I hadn't. Uh, and so instead, I wrote a my cover letter was a memo written a year in the future uh, to the creative director, uh, basically saying like, hey, boss, just wanted to recap all the stuff we've accomplished in this year ever since you decided to take a risk on this dude who had no experience <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and then I just referenced their clients and made some jokes. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of their big clients was Little Debbie. And I said, like, uh, you know, we helped launch the unfortunately named Little Debbie Nutbuster. <laughs> and, uh, and later he told me, you had me at Nutbuster. Uh, but... <laughs> But, you know, he called me. He was like, normally we would never bring in someone who did not have experience. Uh, but, you know, he was like, well, well, we'll temp you. You know, we'll test you out. And I came in and, you know, they, they basically saw that it was a good connection. And I started full time. Uh, and that was it. I was there for eight years. And then next thing you know, I'm at Adweek. So, you know, you never know. Stunts can 
work. I would say mine was kind of on the easier side. I didn't have to physically paint myself. I, I you know, I, I get I get the argument that it should be about talent, but I feel like this is an extension of your talent, right? For sure. It's it's an example, just kind of a more real life in your face example of the ideas that you have. And then once you're in the door, prove it. Yeah. Well, I feel like activations are such a big part of what we write about. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that is the the sexiest part of marketing right now are, I mean, activations is kind of a lame name, but you guys know what I mean. Like right. out of home, stunty, like you only have to do it once. You only have to do it in one little place mm-hmm. and it'll blow up and go viral globally. And that's definitely what happened here. Uh, but, you know, I tweeted about like I, I took some screenshots of some of the responses and people were just so bitter and yeah. lame, you know, and they're just like, oh, this is so dumb. This is sad state of affairs for this industry. And I'm just like, God, you guys must be the worst yeah. to work with, to be around. So just jaded. miserable. Have fun. I know it's it's advertising. Yeah, like, it's and supposed that's, to be creative. That's like what the industry is built on. Right. I mean, I, I get it. I'm a cynical. I mean, I think the three of us especially are very cynical about advertising. But when you see like a young person embracing something and, and, you know, a lot of some people point out, well, fearless girl is problematic and blah, blah. I'm like, true, true. But right. like that doesn't negate, you know, the if you want to go work at McCann. Like what I loved is the specificity. She can't go do this at like Crispin Porter. You know? <laughs> she can't like. <laughs> <laughs> show up dressed as fearless girl at Ogilvy, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, you know, it was hyper. It was hyper targeted. Anyway, um, I, I definitely check out that story. Uh, you can just look for. Uh, I think the headline is this copywriter scored her first job by showing up at McCann Bristol dressed as Fearless Girl. Uh, so you can dig that up and let us know what you think. We're at podcast at adweek.com. The other story I wanted to talk about uh, is one that Katie, I believe you wrote about gender balance and mascots, right? Yes, I did. I love this topic. It got me like, it's one of those things we think about gender balance. We think about diversity a lot in marketing, but mascots and icons is just something where I think they kind of get a pass sometimes. Yeah. And it was great to just like see. So tell us some of like the numbers. Tell us kind of the state of gender balance in the the brand mascot and icon world. Sure. So um, the Gina Davis Institute of Gender and Media, who, you know, they do a lot of work around gender balance and advertising. They partnered with Otterpops and they did this whole study on, you know, they looked at an absurd amount of of mascots. I think they identified over a thousand and it turns out that for every two male mascots, there's only one female mascot. And so, you know, using that statistic, they worked with Otter Pops and created a completely gender balanced mascot offering. I don't know how you would put it, but so now instead of having 70% male Otter Pop mascots, there's 50 50, um, which I think is really cool and pretty cute and clever. I mean, there were some, you know, some people I think on social media found it a little problematic that it kind of only stuck to male, female, gender norms, et cetera. But um, I think it's a great step in the right direction. You know, kids look up to these mascots, they consume these products, and I think it's nice to have an equal amount of male and female mascots to look up to. This is, you know, mildly off topic, but this is something I think about a lot is my daughter is not very feminine in the traditional sense. You know, she doesn't like, she hates pink. You know, hates it. She right. only wears like black, and and she and she's not gothy or anything. She's just really kind of into her own sense of style. And at the same time, so she doesn't like she doesn't do princessy stuff, nothing like that. But at the same time, she always wants to know if 
if girls are represented in something. Um, and that kind of gauges her interest in it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my wife and I got back from Black Panther and she was like, asked us, how was the movie? And I said, oh, we were both like, oh, it's amazing. So good. And she was like, are there girls in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was literally like, I don't even, I think she even asked that before she asked us how good it was. Like, um, and we were, you know, it was great to be able to tell her, oh my God, yes, you will absolutely love it when you see the the way that the, you know, just this litany of amazing female characters that are in that movie. But I think about that a lot when you talk about stuff like this. Like my daughter really does look at it and say like, that's all boys. Uh, you know, and I think it feels like she's kind of saying, I don't really feel welcome. I don't really feel like anybody wants me in that, you know, to, to be engaging with this. That's absolutely, I think, a big part of it. Like, why we're, like, finally seeing more and more diverse projects is only going to inspire more and more because finally people can see themselves on, you know, screen or represented in different types of media because, you know, for a long time they weren't there. So it felt like they weren't allowed to be there or allowed to enjoy it. Um, it's also kind of the argument, you know, why... Uh, female-led protagonist or even, like, young girl-led novels or, like, book series or TV shows, it feels like boys won't watch them, which is why people are hesitant to produce them in general um, because they feel like they can't relate. And it's like, hey, buddy, how do you think the rest of us feel about all the other projects you're already producing? So maybe it'll kind of get people just thinking even a little bit differently of the the media or mascots or advertisements that we are showing people. And, you know, even if they're a cartoon sea captain selling me cereal, why can't it be, you know, Madam Crunch or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really also love about this Otter Pop thing was that um, the personalities that they gave to some of these Mm -hmm. female Otter Pops. So instead of, you know, like an artist or a a ballet dancer, you Mm -hmm. have... um, a first responder who's a female otter pop and um, an athlete. And um, I think there's an astronaut as well. So it's, it's also kind of bringing this idea that, you know, women can also do whatever they want. They're not constrained to certain roles in society as well, which I thought was very nice. Yeah. And I think it highlights why, you know, not to put too much praise on this, but why I think flow is such a successful uh, brand mascot mm. uh, for progressive is you know there's a lot going on there was great casting I think she you know they really nailed the perfect actor for that role but also she just doesn't fall into any stereotype right like she's she's made up but at the same time she's not like super servile or feminine she's yeah. you know what I mean it's like I've it's always like, been impressed uh, with how Janet from the good place mm-hmm. like they're both sort of like peppy almost robotic but here we go <laughs> it's just yeah. like that sort of personality comes through more so like you were saying than a, a particular role that they're fulfilling man Jan, that's a that's a really good parallel <laughs> thank you <laughs> love her <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely check out uh, Katie's story on otter pops mascots are now gender balanced and uh, lots of good examples in there. And I can't wait to see uh, if other brands, I mean, I know some people are going to see this as like, oh, political correctness run amok. It's like, well, whatever. Like, it, I mean, this is, these are these are good discussions. And it's, it, I think the segues from a conversation we had last week about, uh, you know, that once you get people to acknowledge, oh, okay, gender balance mm-hmm. is important. 
Okay, that we've acknowledged that it is important as of in the broad strokes. Now let's acknowledge <laughs> that our companies are not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and like actually get better. And I'm sure I'm sure there are people who are like, "Wow, how much of society do we have to change?" Right. <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, dude, all of it. That's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of burn it could use a little refresh. <laughs> yeah, burn it all to the ground." Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to ads worth watching. This week uh, was a bit of a tough one to select just because we have been flooded with with you know really good work uh, over the past week. Uh, every day I kind of show up for work being like, today I'm finally going to edit this stuff I've been meaning to get around <laughs> to. And then it's like, oh, nope. or here's these seven new ads that mm. just broke. Uh, and so there was a lot to talk about, but there was one that I really, even though it's kind of just incredibly bizarre, I really wanted to talk about this because it's one where... I, I was just like, this is an uncomfortable ad, but at the same time, I just I have so many questions, <laughs> and I have so many thoughts on this. So let's get to it. It is a McCann Canada uh, created a PSA for Prostate Cancer Canada, which of course is a nonprofit trying to encourage uh, prostate health, and uh, a big part of that is getting men, especially men over forty, uh, to get uh, you know, regular prostate exams. And they found that even though one in seven men in Canada, which is a crazy number, uh, one in seven will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetimes, and uh, you know prostate cancer is one that's easily treatable uh, if it's caught early. Uh, and if it's not caught early, it is incredibly, uh, you know, fatal. It, it is a it is a really brutal cancer, and so it's one where it's the sad thing is it's so easy to catch, but guys have to go in, and you know they said that guys don't like the discomfort, uh, and I think both genders have their equivalent of this, you know, of of medical procedures that we know we need to get done, uh, but are not incredibly comfortable. And one is the prostate exam uh, that goes along with this. And so they found that guys did not uh, did not go because they found that to be an uncomfortable idea. So we're all on the same page now, right? That's a mm-hmm. a perfectly normal, mm-hmm. we're <laughs> a perfectly normal PSA uh, to 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 <laughs> tell guys, hey, you you don't want to die. Like I think about this, like a friend of mine's dad passed away in his early sixties, and my friend said, guys, he he, I would still have my dad if he had gone in mm-hmm. uh, and just gotten a routine checkup. And he didn't. Um, and so please tell every guy you know over, I think it was over the age of 50 is when you're supposed to get it every year. And um, and that stuck with me. Like that yeah. was so heavy and so real. This one goes in a very different direction. So <laughs> this ad announces a line, I believe they call it the Famous Fingers Collection of latex gloves uh, designed after the hands of famous men. Uh, some real, some fictional. Uh, we've got Babe Ruth. Uh, we've got um, Genghis Khan. Uh, and then on the fictional side, we've got Thor and Frankenstein. Uh, I believe Winston Churchill is in there and Abe Lincoln. And so the ad uh, is, well, I, I guess I should say, like, maybe if you have kids listening, this isn't the the most appropriate thing, although I, it's certainly not it's you know, it's not vulgar, but uh, anyway, so the ad is a group of men bent over while these researchers test these different fingers on these guys, and they respond. Uh, so, that said, uh, let's listen to the, the dialogue, which I have to admit is pretty fantastic uh, and unexpected, and, and the PSA certainly does not take itself very seriously. Let's listen to some of this dialogue. So how does everybody feel about Frankenstein? Oh, surprisingly sensitive. I like it. Babe Ruth. Ah, it feels like it's all over the place. I want to like it. Yes, for me. Winston Churchill. Oh, 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> a little sloppy. Otis Redding. I love his tunes. Thor. Ah. Oh. Is that two fingers? I, I really like that one. As our testing continues, we'd love to hear from you. Is there a finger famous enough to get you tested? All right, so I think there's a... There's a pretty basic question here, which is, does this ad do more good or more harm? Like, are guys going to walk away from this ad being like, yeah, I should really go have that done? (laughs) Well, mm -hmm. there's other questions I also have about it. What I do think is that maybe, like you were saying, it does take it in a more lighthearted direction, and maybe they can laugh about it and about how silly they've been about it and maybe that will convince them of like okay sure (laughs) it's uncomfortable but look at us making fun of it good point um but really though i don't know hey (laughs) is the joke still funny that guys are uncomfortable about butts like i don't understand (laughs) why this is the line that humor is still towing and 2018. I don't know. I mean, like you said, the dialogue is super funny and some of it feels almost improvised to me because some of the lines end up like critiquing the men themselves of like who these famous (laughs) fingers are about. And that's hysterical. Like that combo of highbrow, lowbrow is completely up my alley. And I love that. But I don't know that... (laughs) We need to keep reminding people that guys are uncomfortable about butts again and again and again. But, I mean, like I said, maybe it does convince people to have a good laugh about it instead of being uncomfortable about it. I, I just, my favorite line is when the guy says, I want to like it. <laughs> <laughs> or when he calls Winston Churchill, I think, sloppy. <laughs> uh, Katie, Katie, what did you think? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still on the fence about it. I don't know how I feel. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's... I think to Sammy's point, maybe it'll help people be like, oh, yeah, this is silly, like, but let's be serious and go, like, right. take care of ourselves. At the same time, I'm kind of... I watch it and I'm like, did I just watch, like, a comedy special or something? Like, is this really a PSA? It didn't feel like right. an educational PSA to me. It just felt like an SNL sketch in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so this was directed by a uh, directing duo called Ben Dave of uh, Partners Film, uh, and it certainly does have a, a comedy vibe to Sammy's point. It does feel like there's quite a bit of improv. I hope so anyway, because just so many of the responses by these guys are, are fantastic, uh, and, and you really need to watch it to see the facial expressions. I guess my my criticism from a creative standpoint is that it doesn't really land the point Mm-hmm. Uh, which is that the best finger is your doctor's finger. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, they don't really take that home. And so at the end, you're just like, okay, so yeah. these, guys, these guys, like they didn't seem to hate it. I mean, I'm glad that they, they didn't look comfortable either, but at the same time, they they were like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. You're okay. right. It didn't it didn't deliver, not necessarily the punchline, but like the actual message. Mm-hmm. All it delivered was like, yep, prostate exams. You put fingers up there. Yeah. And it doesn't follow through with like why or how important it is or anything. It's just kind of only focusing on the discomfort and not about what it can do. I don't know. There's something missing here. And I I think we can move beyond the very base joke of, uh, you know, like I said, 
guys who are uncomfortable about getting their butts touched. No one loves it. <laughs> everyone, like you said earlier, David, everyone gets medical exams that are not great and mm-hmm. frankly should have evolved by now. Mm-hmm. But here we are Nodding. getting them. Yeah, the, uh, so I, I talked to the, at least digitally, I talked to the folks uh, behind it. You know, they sent us some statements behind about this. It. <laughs> hey, I didn't comment when you said, I didn't come in when you said up my alley. But yeah. The, uh, no, I also, um, I didn't intend it, but it was fun. <laughs> Um, the, you know, the, so basically there, the context around the campaign makes a lot more sense, but like, okay, if you don't read the, uh, the article in Adweek, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do wonder how much of the context you're really going to take away. Their point was twofold. One is the somewhat obvious one. We want to normalize the conversation. We want guys yeah. to feel more comfortable and success, mm-hmm. right? Here, we, sure. here we are. Um, here we are on a podcast talking about it. Uh, and I, I love that aspect because again I've seen the toll of this disease mm-hmm. and it, and it's horrible and so yes let's let's really get that conversation going. I think the part that again that they just don't quite land is this idea that um, we wanted to really get it, like we wanted to make a joke of the fact that okay if you're not comfortable having your doctor do it would you be more comfortable if it was someone you admire or someone mm-hmm. you like talking about like a sports star or a superhero and uh, okay. But that is not the execution that they, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, they, it's not exactly they, what happens here. If the if the joke of the ad were them being like, oh, man, this is great. Oh, you know, Babe Ruth, Thor, they, you know, they, this feels so much, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just tell it's kind of a, a 70 percent idea. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're almost there. They're within striking distance, uh, but they just don't quite get it. Like if they had ended it with like. Prostate cancer is no laughing matter, or like whatever. Yeah. Like you can easily yeah. tie it all together. I mean, I mean but not again, that I know mi- anything of what I'm talking about. But I'm not in an ad agency, nor a man over forty. So like, <laughs> I'm not one to talk. But I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's a certain I think not say desperation, but a certain like. Just like, is this what it's going to take to get people to yeah. talk about this stuff? And sure. and and Canadian humor, of course, is a little. You know, a little starker is than... It? I don't know Canadian Yeah, humor, I don't I either. Oh, trust me. Like, half the comedians you think of as, you know, as great are Canadian. Because, like, they... Just that, like, that somewhat dry, that sure. very kind mm-hmm. of ability to to mix the dark humor in to the point where you almost mm-hmm. don't even notice how dark it is. Like, I, it's... It's something where I, I think that comes across a bit. I, I have a hard time picturing this ad coming out of America, although there certainly are agencies that could have done it. But yeah, um, I don't know. Let us know if you've got any thoughts. If you check this out, the headline. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say the headline on the podcast. Um, <laughs> the headline was about. <laughs> We've Thor. said all of those. Yeah, words you might as well in just, the yeah, podcast, just not in that the, order. <laughs> the headline, the headline was Thor, Babe Ruth. Researchers seek the best finger to go up men's butts in this bizarre prostate PSA, which I stand by that headline mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's like someone asked, shouldn't we have been a little more clinical? I'm like, this is not a clinical ad. No, <laughs> the ad certainly isn't. So we don't need to be. They're like, if we're going to go there, we're going to go right there. Right, right up there. All right. Uh, well, thank you. I've really been looking forward to talking to you guys about it because, uh, yeah, it's just one of those where you watch it and you're like, I, I kind of. I'm kind of uncomfortable, but I kind of want to unpack this. <laughs> and I think that's maybe their point, too. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for helping me uh, parse that one. Let's move on to the big discussion of the week. All right. In our print edition this week, it is our annual list of media all-stars. These are kind of the the big names in the 
often underappreciated world of media planning, buying, strategy, which we've talked about uh, you know, quite a bit on the podcast in the sense of this used to be, no offense, as I always say to the, <laughs> the many people in media, uh, it really was the most boring aspect of marketing. Uh, it was spreadsheets. Uh, it was a lot of like, you know, sorting by CPM and <laughs> whatever. Like, I mean, I I am diminishing the amount of work that goes into it as always. Uh, and uh, but it, it you know just wasn't that sexy. And so like when I worked in the agency world, you know, there were no no real drive for anyone, especially from the creative side, to go into media. These days, media is creative. Uh, I think, again, getting back to the point of activations are such a huge part of it, and you can't come up with a killer activation if you're not thinking both in terms of the creative and in terms of the media of mm-hmm. where where this is going to live. I think back to the diesel, the misspelled diesel store. That was one you covered, right, Katie? Yeah. Like, that's such a perfect example, right? Like, that is a a media play in the sense that it costs a lot of money to build a fake knockoff store for mm-hmm. your brand, uh, misspelling diesel, uh, but really requires like a perfect partnership of, uh, you know, of those two. And, and I felt like that really came across in this year's list. Uh, so let's, without further ado, let's talk about, um, by the way, every time I use that phrase now, I think of uh, someone tweeted, I wish I could remember who, but said like, what if I want further ado? <laughs> like that. That. that was like his his whole tweet and, and ever since then i'm just like every time i say it i'm just like but maybe someone wants the ado uh okay so our two big uh awards that we give each year are the executive of the year and the rising star uh this year the executive of the year not really a surprise necessarily is john moore who is the global president of mullen low media hub which was also our media agency of the year uh, those tend to go somewhat hand in hand. Um, he, uh, you know, it's an interesting profile. Uh, he is a relatively straight shooting guy, as you can see from the number of obscenities that we did not censor in his quotes. Uh, and uh, he basically talks about how their big challenge was, as you may know, Mullen Low is now one company. It used to be two, Mullen and Low. And a few years ago, I think 2015, they merged and became Mullen Low. And a big part of that was that they had to merge Media Hub, their media agency, with Profero, which was Lowe's media agency, and they had to kind of mash them together. And there were, he talks about there were some skeptics about whether that was a smart idea, whether that would work. Uh, but since then, they've won Netflix, Ulta Beauty, Royal Caribbean, Chipotle, Lenovo, lots more, some really coveted accounts. And they're based in Boston, uh, you know, as is Mullen, and they are starting to grow into London, into LA, into these other markets. So it's obviously been quite successful for them. Um, and uh, so congrats to to John Moore at Media Hub. And our rising star, really interesting one for a few different reasons, Alexis Tony at uh, Laundry Service. She is the director of media strategy. Uh, and, you know, she really talks about how she's a cord cutter. She's very uh, kind of in the big scheme of these things, young and modern and approaches things from this very like, hey, all these things need to work and play together. You can't mm-hmm. have all your media spread out and all these conversations spread out. She talks about how a good example of that is Papa John's rolled its media and its creative accounts together with Laundry Service recently. But she admits like even within the agency that the creative team and the media team still work you know, pretty separately. And so that that's a big challenge for her. But Katie, let's let's pause just for a second there and talk about laundry service. I feel like this is one of those agencies that almost out of nowhere became like one of the most talked about agencies. Yeah. I mean, I I met with them a little while ago, maybe like two years ago now. Um, and I went into their office space and, you know, if you walk in there, it's, you can tell it's just a very youth driven millennial type mm-hmm. 
place that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they're very digital first. They are very social media driven and very social savvy. Um, I feel like a lot of the people that work there have tons of different side hustles and, you know, are very big, you know, on the influencer side. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about them. I just know their culture is very like, you know, embedded in culture and like what's hot and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it feels like it's one of those shops that you almost blink and they have blown up into being like one of the most respected shops. Uh, You know, Droga 5 did that uh, quite a few years ago where, you know, you heard the name mentioned two or three times and all of a sudden they're one of the best agencies on earth. (laughs) Uh, Now, obviously, they had David Droga behind him who was already a superstar, uh, but still, you know, a lot of superstars found agencies that that don't really ever break out on their own. I won't name names. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, laundry service, uh, it's a really fascinating agency. You're going to hear more about them, not to spoil anything, but we've got more stuff coming up about them. Hmm. And uh, a few other names I just want to throw out uh, for for my own. Uh, Carrie Purse is the director of social at OMD USA. What I like about Carrie is she writes for us occasionally. She writes opinion pieces. And I am super snooty about, as as Sammy probably is too, about social media opinion pieces. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there, there are a lot of bad takes out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carrie, I, I, it's not to say I always necessarily agree with her 100%, but I always really enjoy reading her perspectives. Uh, you know, she talks a lot about the way that influencers and those relationships are nurtured and the way that those people are treated by agencies, which traditionally has not been always great, uh, and how they're compensated by agencies. Uh, This was also a big struggle for me when I was a a social media director at an agency is like getting people to pay uh, what we would now call influencers back then bloggers. It's really, it's shockingly hard to get someone to pay a hundred bucks when they would happily pay $2,000 to almost anybody else, you know, to do the least bit of thing. Um, and then, uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing her name, but uh, Mabrulin Francisco, uh, the managing partner at Group M Multicultural. Uh, I, I like, don't really have time to go into all of these, but she's one that's definitely a fascinating read. I think the the uh, both with her and Deidre Smalls-Landau, uh, who's the EVP at uh, UM for Global, she's the Global Chief Cross-Cultural Officer. Uh, both of those are really good profiles to see how kind of multicultural marketing is really manifesting in the in the um, you know in the agent in the media agency world. Mm-hmm. That was a really dry and nerdy way to say that, mm-hmm. but still, if you're into such things, those are really fascinating profiles to read. But Katie, uh, tell us uh, you wrote two uh, wrote up two folks from Horizon Media. Uh, tell us about those. Sure. So the first one I wrote about is Eva Kantrowitz, and she's the EVP Chief Strategy Officer. Um, brand development. And she has kind of been instrumental at Horizon. She's been there for almost 10 years, maybe a little longer. Um, And she's really helped them grow their new business. So in the past three years, they've added 60 new clients, which Mm -hmm. is like massive. Mm -hmm. Um, She helped them win the $700 million Sprint account last year. So she's been really big in helping them grow just their portfolio of clients. Um, and she, as well as the other woman from Horizon, who I'll mention in a moment, uh, they both founded this in-house um, platform, is what they call it, called Limitless. And it's basically designed kind of out of this Me Too movement, um, really helping prop up women in Horizon and find, you know, give them a safe space. Um, there's like workshops, they bring in speakers. And that's something both of them were kind of really touting is 
this platform that really helps, you know, prop up women um, mm-hmm. in the industry, which I thought was really nice. The other person I wrote about, her name is Eileen Benwitt, and she's the EVP Chief Talent Officer at Horizon. So what I really liked about her um, is she actually helped start a health center at Horizon. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like an on-call doctor's office that any employee can go to. And you can do anything from like get a flu shot to talk to a doctor about like a chronic illness you might have. Mm -hmm. And it kind of takes away that, you know, sometimes you have to take a half day if you have doctor's appointments and it kind of saves you the time and effort. Um, And she's really focused on kind of bringing this holistic health vibe to the agency. So she started like a yoga center. There's these in the picture. If you um, if you check out the uh, story online, she's kind of sitting in this like silk hammock thing. Mm-hmm. So she has this whole room that she created where people can go and like lay in these silk hammocks and take a nap and relax. And it's very much just like bringing that like work-life balance to the office, which I really like. So... Those are the two I wrote about. One of our uh, freelance writers, she hasn't written for us in a while, but Rebecca Cullors, who I've uh, been working with since 2008 or so, she works at an agency, and uh, I should really Google it. I think it's called Bright House. Um, but they, I visited their office once, and they have a bunch of, like, not quite hammocks. I don't even know what you'd call this, like, papazons, like, hanging from the ceiling. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, like, kind yeah, of wickery, cuppy chairs. Yeah, so it's I, I think they may be flat these ones. I don't think mm. they quite like that way you can sit next to each other without it like, you know, sure. pulling you on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um but man, I was like, what a cool space. And it's one of those where I bet when you install those things you wonder, will anyone actually use these? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the answer for them is yes, like that apparently that's those are hot commodities. Um but uh, I I love seeing stuff like that. I think uh, Adweek definitely needs to just rip out a few cubicles. Hang some, hang some hammocks. Something. Would use, yeah, totally would <laughs> yes. use. I'm good. Katie's going to go. He's going to go between standing desk like perfect <laughs> posture and j- just collapsing into a <laughs> <Yeah>. hammock. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Devin, thank you so much for walking us through those. Uh, there's quite a few more media all stars. I encourage everyone to check out our cover story. Uh, it's on adweek.com and uh, see who all made the list. Uh, we've got a we've got several more lists coming. Uh, guys, I'm terrified like about how rapidly we are burning through may <laughs> like cause oh, every, yeah. no it's a lot huh like june june is such a crazy time we announce our creative 100 we mm-hmm. have can we are doing the uh, uh elevate creativity event on june 14th uh and so it's like in my mind i've been like oh yeah june's a ways off Nope. We, we, we got a while. Right. Yeah. So, and, and then instead, I was like, oh, we have like a month to mm. get all this stuff done. So, man, but the good news for readers is got a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, when Can finally gets here, we're going to be doing, uh, last year we did daily podcasts from Can. We had Ira Glass and a few other cool people. Uh, so, I'm already lining up some really fun ones uh, for this year. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, and we're going to have just tons of content. And uh, Sammy, you're going to Cannes this year, right? I sure am. I'm already uh, stressed about packing and traveling. <laughs> yeah. Like the uh, the big thing I learned the hard way is take one change of clothes with you on your carry-on. Because oh, uh, yeah, sure. you never know. My, my bag did not make it one year. And let me tell you, 95 degree south of France, uh, <laughs> about, about two days, you are... 
You're ripe. Yeah, was... I was going to say, probably a little fresh. Mm-hmm. Maybe and, uh, not going to have any close meetings. <laughs> I think uh, my my suitcase showed up on day three, and they called me and said, you have two minutes to get to your apartment. And <gasps> I was on the exact opposite end of town. Oh. So so I literally sprinted across all of Cannes. Like, to, and no one no one runs in Cannes. <laughs> like, no. like it is the, the most it's sauntery. for that, too. <laughs> and so I'm just, like, tearing ass across Cannes, <laughs> like, at a full tilt, wearing, like, a dress dress clothes coming from a work dinner and i was just like on the phone just yelling at him in french in french like do not leave i am coming (laughs) wear loose clothes loose loose, comfortable clothes i like all these very relatable can (laughs) problems and i will need to know all of them because i will be worried about all of them (laughs) well much more to come on that and other fun summary things that are coming down the pike but we will talk about those later thank you so much katie it's always a pleasure to have you on the show Thanks, David. All right. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was produced by Anya Fernando and edited by Lane McGivney. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, Lane. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they also help new listeners discover the show. Uh, don't forget, you can reach us at podcast at adweek.com. I am David Greiner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.